Whoa, I'm getting chills over here. It's so good to hear this show opener again. I love it. I love it even more. <laughs> Is that possible? You know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <sighs> bow, bow, bow. <laughs> From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. Hello, Milena. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. I really miss doing this show with you over the past one and a half years. Me too. One and a half years. I mean, I mean, when did that happen? But I mean, obviously, I really enjoyed listening to you and Shuko while I was away. That's very nice of you to say. Listeners, if you're listening to the show this year or last year, you might not know Milena. She and I actually started from Know How to Wow back in 2020. We're the OGs. Reunited, hosting our first comeback episode together. But, I mean, just like to make it clear, um, I'm not replacing Shuko. She'll remain a regular host. Right. Uh, we're just going to switch it up episode by episode. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Milena, our longtime listeners, you know, of course. But there are also a lot of new subscribers to the show who joined more recently. Uh, would you give them a quick introduction? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Um, Hi, my name is Milena Schönhofer. I I kept myself busy the past one and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) You know, things you do during a pandemic, right? Get married, get kids, this and that. I mean, you know, potato, potato, yeah. (laughs) Well, now I'm uh, back at work after one and a half years. Um, The the kind of work that's paying the bills, you know. Um, And we're very grateful for that. I'm working as a digital communications manager at Bosch headquarters in Stuttgart. So um, I'm, well, basically responsible for keeping the Bosch global social media channels up and running for all sorts of video and photo productions. And um, oh, lucky me, um, a part of my job also is this baby here, our fantastic podcast. Which we absolutely love. Yay. I'm uh, going to pick up the baton today from where you and Shuko left off. Last episode, you talked about plastic recycling and mm-hmm. sorting waste and mm-hmm. how big a challenge that can be. That's right. And today, we're looking at the challenges of recycling products that are much more complex. Mm-hmm. Batteries from electric vehicles. And of course, just like it was the case for plastic waste sorting, there's smart technology. Of course, that can help make this happen at scale. Shall we start Are your batteries fully charged, Jeff? Absolutely. So, to steer us towards today's topic, would you describe yourself as a wasteful or as a resourceful person? To be honest, that's a tough one. Um, I do have to say that having um, a baby comes with producing quite a bit of waste. So starting with these hundreds and hundreds of disposable diapers. um, And yes, uh, I'm fully aware of the fact that there are alternatives to that, but that didn't really seem practical for us. Uh, Oh, then there's food waste. And uh, especially my son kind of, he loves to uh, explore food and throw it and smash it. But on the other hand side, uh, what are we resourceful? Uh, I think when it comes to clothes or toys, for example, we are rather resourceful. Um, I did get a lot of things for the baby secondhand. How about you? Oh, well, um, there's, of course, the stereotype about being wasteful as an American. But we, <laughs> we do have an EV, 
So that's nice. Um, and also, as um, I've been putting some time into home automation, I think this has also uh, resulted in some efficiency gains, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. It's fun. But, you know, in some situations, as you mentioned, it's kind of hard to not be wasteful. Um, in other situations, it's quite easy to be resourceful. However, when it comes to certain things, we don't really have a choice. We need to be resourceful. And that's the case for many raw materials, which are in limited supply here on Earth. And not only that, they're also often hard to get out of the Earth. Extracting metals is in itself a resource-hungry process. So obviously, recycling them is the way to go. And if that's not obvious to someone, well, regulators at least are demanding it. In many parts of the world, different industries are mandated to collect used products and recycle them. Here in the EU, a company like Bosch that produces household electronics, um, among other things, has to let authorities know how many products we sold. We then have to make sure we pay third parties to collect and recycle the products. Distributors have similar responsibilities. That makes it easy to return my dead LED bulb or coffee maker or batteries or whatever and uh, be sure the materials get recovered. That's one part of the regulation. Newer regulations also demand manufacturers to use recycled materials when they make new products. Batteries, for example. And there is a enforcement of legislation that it becomes mandatory to use recycled material in the production of new batteries. Specifically batteries for electric vehicles. That's what Sebastian Krieger is concerned with a lot these days. He's a senior manager for solution business at Bosch Rexroth. On a side note, Rexroth is a Bosch subsidiary known for, for example, factory automation solutions. What he says is that if you want to build new batteries for cars, a certain percentage of the metals used must come from recycling sources, not just from a mine. We talk about lithium, we talk about copper, we talk about nickel. And cobalt, too. Uh, Do you know how much of them needs to be sourced through recycling? Of course, I come prepared for your (laughs) tough questions. Uh, I knew that. I remember how you are, Melina. For lithium and nickel, the EU is planning to require 6% recycled materials in new batteries. Okay. uh This could, of course, go up in the future. For regular car batteries that contain lead, the requirement is to use an incredible 85% of the recycled lead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea is to source recycled lithium from old lithium-ion batteries, I guess. Is that correct? As it is a metal, it's one of the things you can extract and reuse as you can bring it down to battery-grade material again. Battery-grade material simply means it has to comply with certain quality standards. That's correct. But getting there, getting the lithium out of the batteries alongside the other metals is a challenge. One indicator of how big of a challenge this is, by the way, when I talked to Sebastian, he had just returned from a trip to Detroit where he spoke at a conference that had one topic, electric vehicle battery recycling and reuse. Oh, that's a very specific conference topic. Indeed it is, but it's important enough to organize a two-day conference completely around it because there is some urgency, according to Sebastian. The recycling industry needs to get ready to recycle massive amounts of batteries from electric vehicles. So volumes from the market are increasing, either by production scrap out of the now 
starting gigafactories or from the end-of-life cars, the demand is growing day by day. Oh, right. I, I read about that. Um, when, when preparing for this episode, I've seen a forecast for 2030. That year, it's expected that there will be one million batteries that need to be recycled. In the same year, 2030, car manufacturers want to build 45 million new battery electric vehicles. And, well, those will go out of service at some point, too. The numbers are certainly only going one way, up. Mm -hmm. So we urgently need solutions that allow the recycling industry to dismantle and recycle a huge volume of batteries efficiently. But there are a few things that make battery recycling quite tricky. Mm -hmm. I happened to learn about one of them just a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to get my son to sleep in the evening. And while I was lying there at like 7 p.m. in the dark bedroom... This is one of the best podcast listening situations while you're just waiting for your kid to fall asleep. I love that. Um, anyways, this interesting little podcast, The Deep Dive by From Know How to Wow, talked about it. Long story short, uh, batteries can cause fires. This is one of my favorite takeaways from the episode. If you have batteries and you shred them, there's not a fires. Batteries are a huge issue in waste processing facilities. So we have requests from Europe and Japan as well. Um, plastic sorting is one thing, but can you help us stop the fires, right? Because if they're batteries and you shred them, it's going to be fire. So the terrace allows us to detect these metals, and then we should be able to at least say, what's the probability of this being a battery? So Sid's terahertz scanner could soon find its way from Singapore to Europe or Japan. It's always so weird to listen to my own voice avatar, but it's also very cool and kind of gratifying that we actually got that to work because I think it's kind <laughs> of a first for our organization. Oh, yeah. Uh, when batteries go into a shredder, they can cause fires. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but battery recycling technology Sebastian and his team have worked on eventually sends them to a shredder as well. You have this still active cells which the energy in and that's dangerous because they have this energy and if you generate a circuit in the cells when there's too much energy then you have the risk of fire or explosions uh, my expert pro tip would be get rid of the energy <laughs> bingo <laughs> one of the first steps to do when a battery arrives at a recycling facility is discharge getting the remaining electricity out of it And that's easy enough. You just connect it and then you just discharge it. The brilliant thing about that, <laughs> it, it even sounds simple when he puts it that way. The <laughs> yeah, brilliant thing about that, uh, you can of course use that energy, uh, for example, to power part of the recycling plant. That is genius. However, uh, an empty battery is not really necessarily empty exactly. The battery won't normally let you completely discharge it. In a normal charging and discharging, you are working in an operation mode where you don't want to destroy the chemical functionality of the battery. Oh, yeah, right. If you deep discharge a battery, it loses some or even all of its capacity. That's why all the EVs today have these big red warnings of not to let your car go to zero. Hmm. But that's exactly what they want here in this process. Now, typically what prevents a deep discharge is a battery control unit. Typically, it stops the discharge at 2.7 volts. 
Uh, now that I've proven myself, uh, here's Melina's pro tip number two. <laughs> Let's just remove that control unit and discharge the battery to zero volt. Bingo again. Aha. So you go down to zero volts. Exactly what I'm talking about. But? Oh, of course. There it is. I do know you very well, Jeff. There is always a but. <laughs> Then we have a physical effect. If you reach this zero volt and you stop the discharging and disconnect it, there is a recuperation effect from the chemical point of view, from rebounds effect on the energy side. After a while, the battery partially recovers and there actually is a measurable charge again. Mysterious. Or probably just chemistry, which, well, is to me mysterious, so. Mysterious. <laughs> not to worry. <laughs> We're not going to get into the details of that here uh, and let the mystery persist. But it's a well-known effect. And there's actually quite a simple solution to it. Oh. Conventionally, one possibility to do this is to just keep the batteries uh, short-circuited for around about 24 hours. Oh, so basically just connect the plus side to the minus side and let them sit for a while. Yeah, basically. But as usual, easier said than done. Nah. So if you have a huge volume, you need a lot of space for storage. Then during this process, they're still chemically active. So there's a risk of fire, there's a risk of mm-hmm. whatever could happen to the cells. Which, of course, was uh, more than a little irritating for our safety-conscious colleagues at Bosch Rexroth. They wanted to automate the process of battery recycling. And that's what they do. That's what they're good at, automating industrial processes. But we had the challenge how to automate this process. But having a 24-hour wait time as part of a process is less than ideal. <laughs> they wanted to do something about that. We looked into some the physical condition of a cell and what is happening when you do this discharging and what is happening when you do this deep discharging and what is happening in this recuperation phase if you're not keeping them short-circuit for this long period. And then uh, we understood the chemical process, what is happening in the cell during this process. And then we did some, some tryouts in another way of operating uh, the discharging device. If we could then increase speed on this chemical process, which is happening in the cell during this storage period. Oh, Jeff, would you please tell us more about this discharging device? Remember the battery control unit that prevents the deep discharge? Yep. They basically connect their own battery control unit to the cell that controls the deep discharge process. And it sounds like with that, they also learn to control the chemical processes inside the cell. The chemical processes that eventually lead to the destruction of the cell that prevent it from recharging and recovering, yes. Mm -hmm. They go to zero volts in a precisely controlled fashion and destroy the battery along the way. Now, does it take less than 24 hours that they make it faster? (laughs) Melina, what do you think? Have you lost all (laughs) faith in our Bosch engineers while you were gone? God, God, no, I've not. (laughs) Without technology, which is patented, uh, we can do this in several minutes. Okay, but did you say several minutes? Wow. From 24 hours to several minutes, of course. That's what Bosch can do. Wow. And that exactly now opens the door for automation. This is one of our core technologies we found, and we are now bringing it to the market. With the deep discharge process down to just a few minutes, Sebastian and his team could streamline the recycling of batteries. 
They created an industrial disassembly process of the batteries that is efficient and largely automated. Uh... Bonjour, everyone. Glad <laughs> you're here. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Shuko. I'm super happy that our original queen is back, and I just wanted to quickly drop in and welcome her back myself. So, Menina, bienvenue, or welcome back to the show. Oh. God, I'm getting super emotional. <laughs> so because of the fact that Melina is such a bubbly person and I always, always want to take the opportunity of doing something fun. Of course. Uh-huh. I thought, what would be an appropriate way to celebrate Melina's return? Uh-huh. A new and specially crafted type of quiz. Mm. Shuko, of course, defending her reputation as the show's official quizzing queen. <laughs> nice. So it's a quiz full of fun facts. We love fun facts on this show. There is a catch to this quiz. I have hidden them, and kind of like Easter eggs, you will need to find them. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm good at that. I found all the Easter <laughs> eggs and little traits that my toddler and my husband didn't find, so... Easy, easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> Melina came into parenthood very quickly, already stealing children's Easter eggs. <laughs> uh, but then again, isn't that the perk of being a parent? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Fully agreed. So here's how this is going to work. I'll talk to you about lithium. Uh, you know, the stuff that's in all of the batteries. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, most of what I will tell you is entirely made up. Since I'm not an official host today, I thought I could get away with telling a few cheeky stories and maybe a, some people could call it lies, save for three true statements. And you, Jeff and Milena, will have to find those hidden truths. Mm-hmm. So when you hear me say something that you think is true, make yourselves heard. Do you maybe have something that you can make a sound with? I do. I happen to have this little chicken baby toy thingy. <laughs> Wonderful, right? How about you, Jeff? Let's see. I don't have any. Um, I, I don't have any baby toys lying around, um, but mm-hmm. but I I do have um, toy from Crypto, his favorite pig. <laughs> 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 okay, nice one. It's, nice one. It's really, it's really lovely when I'm in the middle of a of a Teams call with a customer or something, and in the background you hear. <laughs> <laughs> I see a clear pattern, though. The both of you have to steal toys from either a fur baby or a real baby, and I don't know if I'm a fan of this. <laughs> We're moving on. I do find this sounds cool. We're getting a farm started. But so going back to the quiz. If you correctly identify a true fun fact, you'll get a point. So if you buzz, snort, peek, squeak for something that isn't true, the other one will get a point. Understood? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. So I'm going to start reading my first statement. Lithium was first discovered by Robert Bosch in 1902. <laughs> Jeff and Milena buzzed. What do you think is true? Oh, oh no, 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 I... <laughs> The statement is definitely not true. Uh, Lithium was not discovered by Robert Bosch in 1902. It was discovered, in fact, in the 1800s. So in 1800, Brazilian chemist José Bonifacio de Andrade e Silva, excuse my horrible pronunciation, first discovered the mineral petalite, which contains lithium, in a mine in Sweden. So you both don't get a point. You guys cancel each other's Mm -hmm. points out. (laughs) So moving on to my next statement. 
Robert Bosch was baffled to find that this metal is so heavy that it created a small gravitational field in his lab. It literally was a dust magnet. When lithium comes into contact with water, it self-ignites. So I heard a snort. Jeff, am I correct in assuming that you snorted? <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. Right, Jeff. Lithium ignites when oxygen and water are present. That is why it's often kept in oil. Hmm. So that is, uh, from my counts, one point to Jeff. Damn it. It's all right, Melina. It's your first day back. Don't worry. Don't stress. You got to shake the rust off first. You're all right. <laughs> okay, so next statement. That's how lithium got its name, from the Latin word litus, which means light or glow. Archaeologists and geologists recently discovered that ancient civilizations in South America already knew lithium. The famous Nazca lines in the Peruvian desert might stem from lithium mining that happened around 2,000 years ago, and it is unknown if people at the time used it for electric batteries as well. Nazca is not far from the Lithium Triangle, a region in the Andes that holds approximately 54% of the world's lithium reserves. I heard both of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I would are. say from, from speed-wise, it was definitely Milena who, <laughs> who started first. I was just being polite. <laughs> so indeed, Milena, you're right. The Lithium Triangle is located in the Atacama Desert and spans across parts of Argentina, Bolivia and Chile. And despite the big deposits in the Lithium Triangle, most lithium is actually mined in Australia. So, fun fact for you guys there. Mm-hmm. Nice one. Uh, so, as said, point to Malena. Mm-hmm. Today's use in the batteries has driven demand up so much that it became more valuable than gold. Next statement. If only we could use gold ion batteries that would make electric vehicles so much cheaper. Next statement. And last statement, by the way. Amongst the group of scientists that were awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the invention of the lithium-ion battery are John Goodenough, Pete Allwright, Sakura Just Okay, and Shuko is the best. (laughs) (laughs) My pig is very upset at this statement. (laughs) Okay, Jeff, what did you think was right in that statement? Was right? Yeah, that's the big question here, my friend. Again, we're doing this. Well, theoretically, it's kind of like, I'll give you a half point for that, because John Goodenough actually won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2019, alongside Stanley Whittingham and Akira Yoshino. And Goodenough was born to American parents in Jena, Germany, in 1922. Uh Uh Aha! So you were (laughs) semi-right. So, Milena found one out of three truths, and... Jeff found one and a half out of three truths. So the winner is in points, Jeff. But let's say everybody gets a participation point as well. So everybody's a winner. Pity point. 
Thank you so much for having participating in my quiz. I'm definitely going to get, uh, let you get along with your podcast, Melena. It was just for me to welcome you back on the show. And I'm really looking forward to also being able to record a show with you. Oh, thank you so much. That was so much fun. Thank you, Shuko. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Shuko, for this special appearance. Looking forward to hosting a future episode with you. Maybe if you if you and Shuko get to team up, then maybe I will team up with my buddy here. <laughs> I think we also make a good team. Voice avatar at your service. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Voice Avatar. So it doesn't look like lithium with its unique properties is going to be replaced by anything else soon when it comes to battery technology. The next Nobel Prize for breakthroughs in battery technology is not on the horizon as far as I know. That should be reason enough to be resourceful with the limited supply of lithium and reuse and recycle as much of it as possible. Sebastian and Bosch Rexroth are enabling this. So far, it has been a time-consuming, difficult, and dangerous process. But with their technology, they're helping recycling companies to automate the process and make it more efficient. They help make battery recycling not just something that is demanded by law, but something that is very feasible doable, and economical. We've heard a lot about the importance and difficulty of efficient, effective, and safe discharging or deep discharging batteries as part of the process. But what else must happen to recover lithium and the other precious materials in there? The battery is taken apart piece by piece. Oh, okay. It's basically the manufacturing process reverse. <laughs> Recycling as reverse manufacturing. I love that. In the production process, you start with an end-of-line testing. In the recycling process, we start with an end-of-life testing when it starts the recycling process. That's the first step. When a battery comes in, it first gets examined. First, you could look at the physical condition of the pack, if it's damaged or not, is how it's corroded, that's one of the things. And then you look into the pack in the sense of what is the state of health, what is the state of charge, is it accessible, is it not accessible. So you get, try to get a, quite a good picture of what you have and what has happened to the battery within the lifetime. Once you've found out those things about this particular battery, then you can start dismantling it. A robot takes off the cover. Next, the cables get removed. They all go into one bin and get recycled separately. The battery management system goes in another bin. Yes, we don't want that boo battery management system. You go in the bin. <laughs> you seem to have some strong feelings about this, but that's that's good. We like that. You know, we like emotion in this show. So we've also fully discharged, deep discharged the battery cells. And now they are chemically inactivated. Now let's get the lithium and the other metals out of there. In order to do that, now they go into a shredder. What you typically do is then uh, they are given to a shredder process. Then some of the parts are filtered away already. And then at the end, it remains the black mass, which contains graphite, lithium, copper, and the other metals. Now, we should say that the shredding and everything that comes after that is not part of the process which Sebastian and his team developed. They focused on the steps before that on preparing the batteries for the shredding. Um, okay, but now we have what he called the black mess? What? what? <laughs> uh, not not black mess, like, like cemetery style. No, that's not, uh, not where we're going. <laughs> not what I was thinking. Uh, instead of some sort of um, 
strange ritual, this black <laughs> mass is put through a chemical process. Mm-hmm. And then the committee, the pyrometallurgical process and the pyrometallurgical process can start so that in the end you get most of the metals back. Depending on the processes, between 90 and 95% can be recuperated from what was initially in these cells. Oh, that is fantastic. It is. It's great. That part of the process, of course, is the responsibility of the chemical industry. The recycling industry will do the dismantling and the shredding. How exactly this will pan out is still a little bit up in the air, since battery recycling is really still in its early phases. Case closed. Now we know how it's possible to mine metals from old batteries. Ta-da! For the people at Bosch Rexroth, it's actually only the start of what looks to be a very busy time. They have full order books for years to come to install their solution for discharging and dismantling in recycling facilities. I bet they'll be indispensable. (laughs) I saw a study that suggests that the amount of -of end-of-life car batteries will increase from now 50,000 tons per year to 420,000 tons per year by 2030 in Europe alone. And again, as we said earlier, it's only going to go up from there. Yep, very important stuff. Thanks for telling us about it. Next month, I am going to pass the mic back to Shuko. Talk to you soon. It was such a pleasure to be back. Melina, it's been so great having you back already. Can't wait for the next one. Me too. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Bye. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. In the next Deep Dive episode, Sebastian Krieger will share more about how batteries can be recycled efficiently. Digital twins of batteries help manage the process and a worker guidance system ensures safety. That's coming up in two weeks with me, Jeff's voice avatar.